this is a people business. And I think finding ways to free up your time to be more connected to the people you're evaluating as candidates for roles or considering for new roles and opportunities within your organization. Let the AI take care of the aspects of your job that are time consuming, that are manual, that take you away from that human connection and put you in the driver's seat to have more interactions, make more determinations of the best way that you can actually put your thought against, is this the right person? Do they fit the criteria for this role? Do we want to move forward with them and why? Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to the show that everyone loves, Talent Experience Live, covering everything that you need to know in HR, talent acquisition, talent management, and Star Wars today, oddly enough. We like to say here that this is the greatest show in the galaxy, and so far, no one has told us otherwise. I am your host, Devin Foster. Today, I'm cosplaying, of course, as Han Solo, who did not shoot first. Uh, the show Talent Experience Live is proudly brought to you by the good team here at Phenom. Today I am joined by a very, very special guest, Kwai John Jin. I'm kidding. His name is John Harrington. He is the director of product marketing here. John, how are you today? Good to be on today, Devin. It's May the fourth be with you. <laughs> May the fourth be with you as well. I can't believe I went through the whole intro without making that pun. Um, John, we, we have a lot to talk about today, uh, specifically around generative AI, but it is tradition around these parks. I know you've been here um, quite a few times on Talent Experience Live. We always like to start things off with an icebreaker. So this is for you as well as the audience at home. Favorite Star Wars character? Do you have one? Uh, we were just talking about Qui-Gon Jinn. I, I really do think Qui-Gon was one of the better uh, characters that that died a little too soon. Yeah, no, I I agree to not a Jar Jar Binks fan. I got a little annoyed with the voice. <laughs> I think everyone did, but might be might be the most hated Star Wars character of all time. But I grew up on Episode One, Two, and Three, so he'll always have a a fond place in my heart. Uh, I do have, I do have a soft spot. Yeah, I do. <laughs> of course. But, but I don't I don't really like when people imitate the the i'm not gonna do that yeah don't don't worry don't make me do it <laughs> I, I promise not well uh john obviously the the star wars universe is ever expanding as is phenom's platform um and today we're talking about hr's newest jedi the newest member of the force uh and that of course is generative ai so as we kind of set up the episode and and get into things i want to ask you um, what do you think is really the potential impact of generative AI and how is it going to impact human resources as a whole? Sure. So I think it's a people type of approach, right? So you need to be thinking about what people are doing today. And it's taken the world by storm and everyone's using it already. There's so much adoption. There's so many stories being told about how people are using it, how they're finding creative ways to change how they approach text, how they approach visuals, how they are doing creative work and, and making things come together. And so the obvious side of that is that in the context of HR, candidates and employees, for example, are people too outside of work. And so the lines are starting to really blur between people using generative AI in their own life and now, how is that finding its way into the workplace? How is that finding its way into how people are evaluating the way they're going to do work or the way they already are? And so HR can't ignore that. And 
in the the spirit of trying to create great experiences and trying to make sure that you're meeting people where they are, there has to be a, a an objective to understand the implications of generative AI, the type of promise that it can deliver for the type of impact that it can have. And it's not just making sure that you infuse it in the candidate and employee facing areas, right? There's a lot of promise that it brings for how recruiters do their jobs and how hiring managers are working and how talent management is making determinations about how to upskill and evolve and grow and retain its people. So it's it's going to have uh, the type of impact where I would say it might be the chosen one. And um, I, think, <laughs> I think that there's a lot of uh, excitement around it right now because it's starting to get adopted and it's it's starting to actually show its face in a, in a very real way in such a wide variety of areas. Yeah, I, I mean, it, you can't get away from it at, at the moment. It is on every single podcast. I am seeing you know, new technology on TikTok and everything. Last night I saw literally someone had hooked up chat GPT to their phone camera and asked, what is a, a keto diet? And then scrolled over to their, their fridge said, which food applies to this? It's a little bit scary at times, but also it's right around the corner, right? We, we can't get away from it. And when we think of it in the context of, of maybe not a diet, but potentially in-talent acquisition, talent management, hiring managers, everything along those lines, I think of the Star Wars saga. And I think of the, the robot counterparts that our heroes are always accompanied by. You know, your R2-D2, your C-3PO, the other ones that I forget their names right now, but I'm sure you you have them. Do you foresee the journey of talent acquisition and, and quite frankly, HR as a whole, mimicking that to an extent where you're not going to hop in your X-Wing fighter or hop into your CRM without leveraging some sort of generative AI like an R2-D2 and a Luke Skywalker in, in the episode three, four, no, four, five, and six, excuse me. Yeah, so I, I do think that it has that complementary nature to it by design, right? It's helping you get that that droid by your side to do things that uh, that you wouldn't be able to do. An, an example, I, I'm one of the few that I think have watched the full recent season of The Mandalorian, season three. Um, but one of the examples in a more recent Star Wars example is where Din Djarin, who's a Mandalorian, uh, anyone that knows Mandalorian uh, way of being is that you don't remove your helmet. And so he, in order to redeem himself and to be considered a Mandalorian, has to go in underneath the mines in the living waters on the planet of Mandalore. And, and that is the only way that he can actually be considered a Mandalorian. The problem is that the, the planet had been, uh, there was a great purge that took place and it was vacated by the Mandalorians. So he had to send R5 out to do his dirty work for him because he didn't want to be subject to breathing in an atmosphere that can't actually support life. So R5 in the very same way that generative AI can help an HR practitioner, it did a lot of the analysis, it took in context and it provided recommendations to Din Djarin before he actually went into the planet to, to do his job, to, to redeem himself as a Mandalorian. And when you think of parallels there, Generative AI can look at the context of your team. It can look at the context of the people within your organization. It can tell you where there may be flight risks, for example, and who to be looking out for and, and what type of action should be undertaken to get ahead of it proactively, right? And in that way, it's, it's not requiring you to go and do a lot of analysis and one-to-one -one interaction. It can actually look at 
different signals and, and allow you to detect activity that's on, on being undertaken that signals you need to change your behavior in response to that um, and doing it dynamically without any sort of manual effort or time-consuming processes. So um, it, it's truly going to be that that sidekick in the cockpit, so to speak, that, that can help you do your job more effectively. Yeah, no, I, I think you're 100% right. And we're already starting to see that, right? With um, you know, folks using generative AI to not necessarily create job descriptions, but campaigns, things along those lines. You mentioned images at the top of the hour. I think it's very fascinating. You mentioned Mandalorian there because uh, obviously the story of the Mandalore, right? When we think of, of Boba Fett, bounty hunter, right? And I, I th can't help but connect the two of recruiters almost being bounty hunters, right? Where there is a position of need in your organization that is higher priority than maybe one of your evergreen positions, right? You mentioned potentially someone leaving the organization, being illuminated to that. All of a sudden you can put out a requisition and have your team of of bounty hunters if you will go after that role to try and fill it so that there isn't an issue there um these are all great things that, that we're talking about right the one thing that that i want to ask you which i don't think is talked about too much right now when we have these conversations everyone is you know referring to the fact that ai is going to replace us it didn't in the star wars universe why would it here but there has to be some sort of aspect that is a best case for generative AI, a best use, and then potentially a, a poor use. I, I, I'll use the example of you're not going to cut a slice of bread with a lightsaber, right? What do you think is the most practical practical use for generative AI and what may not be? Right. So I think a couple questions there, but I'll start with the one around how do you actually do it and do it right? You know, getting away from the the concept of it replacing you and more so how does it augment the work you're doing, right? And I, I think it, it's all about making sure that you're you're using it to to further your objectives, but you're actually making the final decision. You're allowing it to actually help influence your behavior, but not outsourcing your behavior to it, right? So that's that's a very fine line that needs to be drawn and, and understood, this is a people business. And I think finding ways to free up your time to be more connected to the people you're evaluating as candidates for roles or considering for new roles and opportunities within your organization. Let the AI take care of the aspects of your job that are time consuming, that are manual, that take you away from that human connection and, and put you in the driver's seat to have more interactions make more determinations of the best way that you can actually put your thought against, is this the right person? Do they fit the criteria for this role? Do we want to move forward with them and why? And an example, like a very practical example would be in a job interview, there's so much time dedicated to making sure you're going to find the right person. That person could be sitting right on the other side of the, the call from you, or if you're in person, the meeting you're having with them. And much of the time, that you spend trying to get them in that scenario, it needs to be well worth it. But in the in the time that the interview is taking place, oftentimes it's a 30 minute conversation or 45 minute conversation that goes by super fast, right? And what AI can do is it can take into uh, account what's being discussed, what kinds of things are actually being said, taking the, the need to note take and document what's being said and what the interaction sounds like and what kind of responses you're getting to questions, what observations you have, let the AI interpret that for you 
and allow you to focus on the conversation, really making sure that you're immersing yourself and you're, you're getting full exposure to who you're talking to. And you're, you're actually able to determine, is this person a good fit for the role, right? After the conversation, the AI did a lot of the heavy lifting to help you unpack what was discussed. What were some of the, the key themes in the conversation? What were some of the things that were brought up? What were some of the questions that were asked and how were they responded to? Not only helping you as a interviewer wrap your head around, okay, how did that conversation go? And what are my next steps? How do I actually feel? Is this person a good fit? But also helping the interview team get up to speed very quickly on how that conversation went and have the opportunity to go get dialed in on the specifics in their own time, right? So th that's a very practical example of how it's not replacing the decision-making of the human. You still have to make that decision, right? The AI is not going to do it for you, but it's giving you the context, the details, the information that normally you would have to spend a lot of time trying to have a good conversation while taking notes and then wrapping your head around what to do next. It's It, it creates a lot of complexity and sometimes it can actually get in the way of making the right decision. So I think that's one of the advantages of it is that it complements your work yeah. and, and it, it frees you up to do that human to human interaction even more effectively. Yeah, it, it's interesting. The one thing that you bring up there, um, the note taking, right? And, and that being not just advantageous for the recruiter themselves, but also the hiring manager. And I think of a, a conversation between a candidate and a recruiter where they may be very focused on how the team interacts, what the company, maybe not company culture, but how workflows are, right? And a, a recruiter who's not with that team every day may not be able to give the most eloquent of answers. However, if AI is able to bring that to the surface for a hiring manager, it's something that can be addressed very early in that next round of interviews, right? It's, well, you know, we work on a, a remote team for the most part, but we have a centralized meeting time where we all connect the dots and then we connect at the end of the day, whatever the case may be, you can get that area of concern or that box checked for the candidate and then move on to some of the more uh, intricate questions down the line. That way the candidate feels that their questions have been answered effectively. And now you can get into some, some of the more details there. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I want to ask you about is uh, obviously we've been talking about AI for, for quite a while in human resources. Some would say we've been talking about it uh, in a galaxy far, far away a long time ago, a long you know it. I, I butchered it. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but my question is, how has it evolved, right? We're having this conversation today about generative AI, about diving into interviews that have happened, pulling out the key aspects of it. What do you, from your experience, where did AI start in human resources and how did it get to where it is today? Sure. I think it's always been along the way. Uh, the intention to use AI to improve efficiency, to improve productivity, to save time, to make your team more, I would say, hard hitting with the right decisions in a, in a less amount of taxing experience of stakeholder interaction. So not needing to go ask a million questions, get a bunch of feedback, make determinations with it, make decisions based upon that. That's always been the intention of it. But now with generative AI, we're starting to see it, it go even further to really know what's going on and give you recommendations on the fly or, or know what's going on and be able to help do things on your behalf that would normally take a lot of time from you. So it's, it's really, I think, going from being an informer and something that can help you do things differently to something that can actually co-create and develop things by your side that allow you to take action quicker. 
So an example would be, I'm a uh, hiring manager for a job. Um, actually, LinkedIn, I have three open right now. So you might want to take a look at those. Um, but when you have that intake call with a recruiter, you have to talk about all the different things you're looking for in the role. You have to talk about what may not have worked with the previous uh, folks that you had in the role and, and where you're looking to go next. You might need to talk about the direction you're trying to take the team and the types of advancements and the technology that they're going to be supporting and and get all that context down on paper, right? And, and then that needs to be interpreted and then that needs to be translated into a job description and posted, right? That can take a lot of time. It can take a lot of interaction and there's open for interpretation aspect of it as well. When, when you're infusing generative AI into the process, it's taking context into account. Like, okay, if I want to create a job description and use generative AI to uh, support me with that, it's going to look at uh, ideal candidates that came from the past that applied for similar roles. It's going to look for top performing employees within the organization that are in that role. Um, it's going to look at a lot of this detail and it's going to help you surface a job description that's very relevant for who you're looking for. And it's going to help do it on your behalf. And you may look at what it comes up with and say, that's not perfect, but you just tweak and adjust it and get it out the door. Um, it's, it's taking a lot of that interaction and back and forth and it's eliminating it, but it's still taking valuable context into account that's going to create a personalized experience for the, the job seekers that are going to happen upon that job description. So I think in that way, um, it, it's really evolved to a, a degree where it's co-creating things with you, right? And that's that's pretty significant um, when when you think about evolution and, and where it's going. I see more and more examples of that being the case. Um, another would be I'm in the CRM and I'm a recruiter and I'm trying to keep track of all the balls I have up in the air. And it, it can see you taking a note here and there and trying to stay on track with the progress you're making with candidate interactions. It may interpret your activity and give you recommendations based upon what it's observing. So, hey, I noticed you took a note about getting in front of that candidate next week with a new stakeholder well, do you want to get some support in scheduling that, right? And then doing it for you, scheduling the interaction, right? Versus you taking the note that that's what needs to happen, then going to manually doing that, right? That's something that's pretty significant in terms of evolution of AI. And, and I, I don't think a lot of organizations are going to shy away from taking advantage of that to save value valuable time for the team and bring people's mindset back to, okay, now with that time I got back, how do I prepare for that conversation? How do I make it meaningful? It makes total sense. And I think of AI or in the early stages of, of human resources, right? Some of the personalization stuff that we talk about from a career site, chatbot, it was very binary, right? To an extent, almost like a choose your own adventure board game where it is, you can make your way through the maze, but there are limitations right around it. And what you're talking about is the, the future where it notices how you're playing that game and offers you recommendations to it. And I see it in everyday experiences right now. I'll let you in on a little secret of my household. Every Friday night is pizza night. Grubhub and hey, <laughs> you're, you're more than welcome to. We'll watch Star Wars tomorrow <laughs> night. Um, but no, every Friday I get a push notification on my phone that says, hey, you might be hungry for some pizza. What you're saying is taking that application and applying it to human resources, applying it to a recruiter's busy day, exactly. it may notice that you, the individual likes to run through all of your interviews and then document them later in the day, right? 
it'll send you a reminder to say, hey, I know you had an interview with XYZ candidate earlier. There aren't any notes, right? We want to make sure that those get into the CRM so that you can surface them later or you know, schedule that interview or, or whatever it may be. I think there, there's a lot of power behind that, but it raises the question of implementing generative AI. You're not just going to hop into the, an X-Wing fighter and then get hooked up with a C-3PO or an R2-D2 and take off running, right? There has to be some sort of ramp up period or quite frankly, implementation from a technology standpoint, but also from a use case standpoint, right? Where it's new, folks are going to have to learn how to work with this technology. What does that look like in the future? Um, when you see organizations adopting this a bit more as it becomes more and more readily available. Sure. I, I think it's important to, to get educated and to not shy away from and, and think about it in the context of, oh, that's different. That's not what I usually do. That's not how we approach things, right? The, the reality is that it's here now. It's part of how work is being done. There's a lot of advantages it can afford you. But to your point, you don't want to just get into a, a cockpit of an X-Wing and go into a meteor field without knowing how you're going to dodge all the meteors, right? So you need to know as you're getting educated, what vendors are out there that have generative AI? What's their approach look like, right? How do they actually deliver it? What is the means through which your team takes advantage of it? What are some of the regulatory aspects of it that you need to be cognizant of so that you can responsibly adopt it? Are you working with a vendor that has a longstanding history that, that that really understands the intricacies of it and make sure that you're partnering with them to adopt it the right way, right? In alignment with your requirements and objectives, but also making sure you're compliant, right? So I think that there's a lot of that, that due diligence, so to speak, that needs to be undertaken, but it shouldn't be looked at as a daunting task. It should be looked at as part of the work that needs to be done so that you can take advantage of what it has to offer but not trip up over anything and and make any mistakes right along the way. And so it, it does require some of that pre-work to actually go all in. And and I think that that's an important distinction to make um, when, when you're thinking about adoption. Um, Phenom in particular, the way that we approach generative AI, we have an actual set of models. So we've got a foundational model um, that takes into account any large language model ChatGPT being the one that we've spent a little bit of time talking about today, but there are others. Um, and then layering on top of that, a specialized model. And that takes into account uh, in the context of HR, the, the job zones or the type of uh, roles that are being hired for. So frontline or fr uh, knowledge worker as examples, right? Or jobs that require minimal preparation versus jobs that require a lot of preparation. And then you know, the industry or industries and geography. So those would be like specialized um, aspects. And then on top of that, the context. So details into the, the company, the teams, the individuals. Um, and what that does when you have that context-oriented approach to generative AI, you're really laser focusing everything that it's, it's creating and creating a great experience because it's bringing the most relevant details to the stakeholder that needs to know the information, whether it's an HR practitioner or whether it's a candidate that's seeking a job within the company, it's going to take all the relevant context into account and provide a deliverable or, or something that it's helping to generate that's very relevant to their needs, where they currently are, where they're looking to go. So that's that's a lot of layers, truly, to that 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 series of, of again, foundational specialized and contextual models that I mentioned. 
but getting educated around that is important, right? So um, we do have upcoming uh, event this this uh, month that I think those listening in should should take advantage of. It's an education opportunity. It's a popping of the hood, so to speak, on on what our what our generative AI is capable of for TA and for uh, talent management. But it's an opportunity to really get that understanding of okay, what is this really, and and how do I think about what I'm doing today versus what this is going to enable me to do tomorrow or even presently, um, and really make sure that the the thought is being undertaken of okay, how do I actually make an effort to start integrating this into how I do work? So taking advantage of those education opportunities will be really critical. Absolutely. No, I, I mean, with, with any piece of technology, there's, there's a learning curve and you have to learn. I, I take for instance, driving, right? You have to pass your written test before they hand you your learner's permit where you can experiment and, and drive with training wheels. Then you get your driver's license, but it's limited to an extent where I know in New Jersey, when I drove, couldn't drive past 11 o'clock. Also, fun fact for the audience at home, if you use that as an excuse to get out of a speeding ticket, it does not work. Um, but neither here nor there, uh, I'm, I'm getting off topic. But you're absolutely right. Whenever we buy technology, we want to learn how to use it first, right? And oftentimes, when we're looking at, quite frankly, more big ticket items, we do the research. If you're buying a brand new television or a Millennium Falcon or whatever it may be, a car, you're going to look at the specs and how you are going to use it. If you purchase a car and it gets terrible city mileage, but fantastic highway mileage, and you live in the constraints of a metropolitan area, it's not going to be a good use for you, right? And when you're talking about generative AI in this sense, it has to fit your organization in, in the right way because you're not going to open up your data set to the entire World Wide Web, right? You are want it to be unique to your organization. It, it's what separates you from your competitors and from other, you know, getting other talent in the industry when it comes to recruitment. We have conversations on the show all the time that companies aren't recruiting against their other competitors in the industry. They're competing against everyone who has a job open at that point in time. So these are all very, very important things. One thing that I want to call out here, because we've we've talked a lot about how you have to have a ramp up period. You have to iterate on things. When it comes to machine learning, what role does human in the loop play there? Um, if you are getting job descriptions created or um, you know, email campaigns or things like that, or in, in your use case, mentioning that you're looking for a particular candidate and you want them served up to you, do you have to interact with the technology to say, didn't like it because there wasn't enough years of experience or this person wasn't a good fit because they didn't have experience in this technology. Do you provide that to the, the technology in order to get better fits or will it recognize that on its own? Yeah. So I, I think any and every opportunity, you see that thumb up, thumb down option when you're interfacing with tech, it's there for a reason, right? And it's not just because it wants you to, to think about, was that actually useful for me? It, it takes what you're sharing into account and it applies its learnings in the future. If you were getting candidates served up to you that, you know, hey, this, this person might be a good fit for the role, but you look at the resume, you look at the experience, you look at the location, you say, ah. Uh, not as much of a fit as, as you're saying it is AI. If you don't give it the thumbs up or thumbs down, it, it might give you another candidate just like that. So the whole point is to make sure that you're you're ingraining yourself, your perspective, your 
information that you use to make decisions and you're helping the AI get coached up, get educated and give you a better set of recommendations in the future, right? So as AI plays a role in helping humans do their work, giving it that that help me help you context is very important to continue getting more value and benefit from it, right? It's helping to ensure that the time that you spend correcting it or course correcting based on recommendations is less, less intensive over time, right? The more it becomes part of how you work, the more recommendations you give, the better it gets, the more it learns, the more impactful it becomes. So I think it's a huge part of how it gets adopted and used is there's a responsible aspect of it on the user to ensure that it's informing the AI to know whether it's actually helping and, and being impactful in the way that it's expected to. That makes sense. Um, now, obviously, we've talked about all of the highlights of the generative AI experience um, and all of the highlights of Star Wars, but there have been some some bad episodes or seasons, as you mentioned with Mandalorian season three. I, I still haven't finished it. I promise that I will. Um, what are some of the concerns that you're hearing about this technology when it comes to HR? And is there justice to be concerned from that extent? Yeah. So I think going back to conversation there's concern because it, it feels like a lot at once you hear about all the ways that it can impact you you hear about people actually using it um, conversations about the decision making and who's actually making the decision these are all valid questions these are all things that should be of concern and and like like we were talking about you need to be able to wrap your head around what is it actually going to do for us how are we going to use it how does it transform the way we're working who are we partnering with and how are they influencing or impacting the way we're doing things that are different and that bring about change in the way we approach attraction, engagement, conversion, hiring and retention of talent, right? It's a big deal. Um, so I think some of the concerns are not knowing enough about it, not having used it before, knowing what your old process looks like or current process looks like and comparing that to what you're hearing and observing and, and saying there's a difference there. So. I think getting educated is is a really important part of the equation of saying, hey, are we doing this responsibly? Um, are we doing it ethically? Are we being being cognizant of bias? Are we taking into account the regulatory environment or any compliance concerns? Um, and is there transparency? Is is there a defensible approach that's being taken via the vendors that we're working with? All of those things are are valid and and do need to be thought through, right? Um, but it's it's certainly a a step in a direction that I don't think we're going to turn around and go a different one with. We're, we're going this direction. So I think it's a responsibility of organizations to understand it and go through that education process. Yeah. Right, the force is strong with this one, right? <laughs> one would say, um, and you don't want your, your generative AI to have that negative impact. You don't want it to go the way of Anakin Skywalker and turn into to Darth Vader, right? Um, the, the empire will eventually strike back, but in the end, uh, we, we want our, our generative AI to be on, on the right side of the Star Wars saga, to be a, a Jedi, the hero for you and your team, and an unsung hero at that. I think the, the key points that I'm taking away from this is that humans are still vital within the process. This alleviates a lot of the mundane tasks, which is something that we say all the time, but it also takes it a step further, right? It's going to serve up notes for you, reminders, take notes down for you that was... It's a nightmare for me, even with my current job is taking notes. I would love to have Zoom meetings documented that may come at some point, but neither here nor there. 
Um, it's an exciting time. John, you mentioned the upcoming live event. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about that when it is, uh, how folks can register or anything along those lines? Yeah. So go to phenom.com. You will not miss a opportunity to get educated on the event and to register. So if you haven't already go visit and, and get signed up, it's, it's definitely an experience you don't want to miss. Um, we did unveil phenom X plus at our, I am phenom, uh, customer and, and user event. Um, earlier this year. And it's obviously an exciting uh, new addition to the platform, platform-wide capabilities that have implications for talent acquisition and talent management alike. So this is an opportunity to really see, learn, and understand what it is, how it works, how it's being embedded across the platform, and how talent practitioners can start thinking about, how do I want to start taking advantage of this? And going through the education process, like we spent some time talking about today to really understand, okay, wh what does this mean for me? How does this change the way I actually do my job, right? So I think it's a great opportunity to dip your toe in the water or perhaps even cannonball into it, depending on your, your appetite uh, for generative AI. And we're really excited to get some of our subject matter experts that have spent a lot of time getting this prepared to be incorporated into the way HR works. Um, it's, it's game changing. Um, we call it work altering. So it's, it's going to be an exciting event and, and I highly recommend taking advantage of, uh, getting signed up for it. Awesome. I will be there. Wouldn't miss it for the world. Uh, any final thoughts from you, John, anything that we, we may have missed on that you, that you would be remiss to not mention? No, I just, uh, would just say may the force be with you, everyone that tuned in today. Um, enjoy your may the fourth and, uh, Devin, I look forward to the pizza tomorrow. Yeah. Um, very excited about that. And we're going to binge watch the entire Star Wars saga. Uh, all of the spin-off TV shows uh, created by John Favreau all the way to the cartoon series. So you're more than welcome. We're just going to have to buy a lot of pizza. Uh, John, thank you so much for joining today. As always, uh, we will be live next Thursday. Uh, once again, we are going to talk a little bit more about the talent management side of the house. Uh, I'm going to be joined by Jesus Latour Sokis, so you won't want to miss that episode. Uh, over the course of the month of May, we are going to be diving into a lot of AI topics, um, as well as some big ticket things that are coming out from Phenom. So I am excited for it. Do not forget to like, share, and subscribe. If you missed any of today's episode, don't worry, you can watch it on May the 5th. Uh, it will be live immediately following this on YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, Spotify, as well as Apple Music. And I hope everyone has a fantastic May the 4th, and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Talent Experience Live, of course, is proudly brought to you by the good folks here at Phenom, whose purpose is to help a billion people find the right job. Our intelligent talent experience platform, which helps candidates find the right roles faster. Employees evolve in their current roles and beyond. Recruiters achieve some next level productivity and managers build better teams with data and analytics. And of course, all of this is powered by super slick artificial intelligence and machine learning. So head on over to phenom.com to learn more. While you're there, check out the promo for I am Phenom. It is right on the homepage. Don't be afraid to click on it. See who keynote speakers are going to be, see what session tracks are happening and everything in between, including networking and party.